G'day, my name's Christian. I've quit my corporate job so I can spend more time with my daughters and have amazing chats with regular people in Sydney because life's too short not to do something you love. I hope you enjoy my podcast. Radio. That was awesome. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. So I'll get, I'll get through the preamble. Just, um, just to let people know, you've just done a handstand on my car for the, for the photo shoot. Uh, I didn't even get a chance to see it because I was looking at Ben, but... That's all good. That's crazy. I'll have a look at it later. Okay, so the preamble for, for this, just to let you know, is that I don't know much about you. Oh, I think awesome. The better way to be is not to, not to research you, is just to get to hear your story. Cool. And we'll uh, we'll see where we, we might head towards Watson's Bay, even though it's quite cloudy. We'll go to Watson's Bay through to Bondi, and I've got your address in. So we need to be in North Sydney at twelve thirty. So it gives us a good hour and five minutes to try and knock through, knock through a conversation. Yeah. Uh, where did okay? Let's start. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Where <laughs> did you start? I was born in. First of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate um, that. Nice, nice car. Thank you. Nice rig. Let's I go. always mention the CX-9, but I get nothing back from Asda. <laughs> nothing back from him. That's a solid car. I grew up in uh, Perth, so Perth born and raised. Um, although it's it's a weird one because I feel like I actually grew up in a gymnastics gym. Is yeah. that because of the family orientation with it? No, the, my mum, if she had any choice, she probably wouldn't have let me do gymnastics. Okay. Um, it's very time consuming and also quite an expensive sport really um yeah like the fees are when you get to that elite level and you're training about 34 hours a week like imagine a babysitter for 34 hours a week oh so okay so you had someone taking you to these things well she her and dad would drop me off pick me up uh we had schools that worked well with the elite program so we had like a bus that went from training to school and then from school to training because we'd be training twice a day. Um, morning and night? Yep, morning and night. What time did you start the morning? What was your daily routine? Oh, God. Go, let's start early. So let's just go back <laughs> a step though. You grew up in WA. Yeah. Have you got any siblings? I have one brother, yes. His name's Older? Trent. No, he's a year and a half younger than me. Okay, and how old are you if you don't mind me asking? I'm 31 now. We won't play the guessing game because, <laughs> yeah, I could get myself in trouble with that sort of stuff. Oh, it's all good. Um, so Trent, younger, younger brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where did you go to school? I went to Cottesloe pre-primary. Right on the um, beach there. And uh, yeah, we lived just across the road from the school, which was handy. Awesome. And then Churchland Senior High School because they had a great relationship with the Elite Institute. What is what did Mum and Dad do? Uh, Dad owned a plumbing business called Vivian's Plumbing that was like passed <laughs> down through generations. Right. Um, Still going strong? No, he passed away in 2013. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, so that the business sort of went with it because my brother ended up uh, choosing to do real estate with my mum. Right, okay. Didn't want to get his hands dirty. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, didn't want to put him in the shit. So, yeah, he chose that. Now they own a real estate agency called Vivian's Residential. Going well? Going very well. Awesome, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, back to training. Mm. What time would you start in the morning? What time did you get up? Our sessions would go from 6.45 in the morning to 9.30, sometimes 10.30 on the longer days, and then again from 3.30 to 7. So I'd be up, oh God, I don't even remember. Uh, I do remember having to be up 
and over the years I started sacrificing breakfast for sleep. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. Um, it was actually, a, it was a task to sort of find a breakfast that suited because you couldn't have cereal because once you go to the gym and start flipping around, it starts flipping with you. Yeah. Um, I landed on just rolled oats. Did you learn the hard way about the cereal? Yeah, always. <laughs> and then you learn the harder way when you skip breakfast and you're about to do a three-hour session and halfway through the session you're like, mm, I'm really hungry, you know? <laughs> and you're a bit fatigued. Yeah, and then your focus is on your stomach and not on your tricks and that's when things get dangerous when you lose focus. So, so when you were growing up though, was it always gymnastics? Did you do anything else before that? Um... No, I, I just remember like climbing roofs. Like if mum turned her back on me, I was up something I shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> so the gym was probably the safest place for me, actually. Uh, but I started when I was eight, which is a little late for gymnastics now. Normally they're around Yeah, I mean, my four, daughter's, five, my daughter's eight now. She's been doing it since sort of five, six. Exactly, yeah. It's a great foundation sport. Like, yeah. You're going to get everything out of it. Your strength, your flexibility, your discipline, your adventure. Yeah, she has all those things. The yep. oldest one, she did the same sort of stuff, but then leant towards soccer and netball and those other things, which is fine. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, I, absolutely. Throughout school, I'd be... Ugh, loved cricket and rugby and basketball. I was useless at them all, but I still loved still them. Still loved playing them. Yeah. What was school life like, though, going, you know, getting up that early and then... Yeah. Going, to, going to the session, then going to school, then going to an evening session of gymnastics. What time would you finish the evening session? Yeah, about 7pm. I just remember like getting in the car and, you know, mum goes, oh, how's the session? You're just, you're so tired. Like, your answer is fine, good. Uh, not much else except for I'm hungry. Um, that's all, that's, I swear that was like all that came out of my mouth was that I'm hungry. Was there ever a time where you thought, you know what, I just need to stop doing this because it's just taking too much? Yeah, totally. A even as a young child? Uh, not so much as a young child. Like, I wanted to be nowhere else but the gym. It was my passion, my love, and I just loved learning new things and new tricks. But in high school, you know, I think I was 12 when I decided, well, 11 or 12, after watching the Sydney Olympics. Yep. That's when I was like, I want to do that. I yeah, want to nice. be there. That was amazing. And... Alana Slater, who trained in our gym, she was at the game. So, you know, seeing that role model on TV and also in your training environment, that's sort of where my goal set in. But you go through high school in this puberty phase, it's just brutal in a sense that you've learned all these tricks and your body starts changing. You almost have to relearn everything. Is that right? At a new weight, your weight to strength ratio is thrown off, um, and it's just really challenging. And then, of course, you know, boys come into the picture. We'll get, and, we'll get, to, we'll get to boys in yeah. a second. We'll get to boys in a second. Um, but I did question what I was, you know, doing and if I wanted to do it. As an early teenager, mm. what was the dream with gymnastics? Did you think it would take you to uh, what a couple of people told me are some pretty dizzy heights? And not just, you know, no pun intended, but um, what was a dream as a young, you know, as, a, as an early teenager, as a young kid with mm. gymnastics for you? Yeah, it was to be an Olympian. Always? Always, yeah. Ever since I saw it, that was the only focus. Really? Yeah, and it, in like in gymnastics especially, it is so time consuming, it's so taxing. 
everything else just revolved around it. Everything. Your family, no vacations, schooling. Did they accept that though? Did they accept the fact that Olivia was looking to become an Olympian? She's 13 years old and she's got this dream. Mm. Did they support that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, especially my mum. Was she she a, a, a gymnast? No, she was a, an elite badminton player, actually, from New Zealand. Um, wow. Yeah, she's, she's very determined. She's such a hard worker. And the second that I said my dream out loud and she knew what it was, I don't think she liked it because it is a lot of time and it's a lot of money. It's a lot of sacrifice, but she supported me 100%. Um, you know, I, as a kid, you don't really realize, and it's such a time-consuming profession I became quite selfish as an athlete, in a sense. Like, when everything's revolving around you, um, yeah, it was, it's quite a selfish sport. How, did, how was Trent going with all this? What was Trent doing for sport? And did he start to feel the pinch a bit with the focus being on you? <laughs> Trent was doing any sport that was free. <laughs> because there was no money left? No money left, so, you know. Oh, that poor kid. As a little girl, like... I didn't know this, you know. All I knew was what I was doing and, um, you know. So your parents are saying, look, Trent, just run laps of the oval because <laughs> yeah, yeah. that literally costs us nothing. He got into footy and actually he was really good at tennis, actually. But, um, yeah, he was, I guess in a sense our personalities are a little different. Um, you know, Trent really never really had a sporting love for it or, like, a dream within sport so I guess you know it was fortunate in that sense but I can he probably didn't have a choice so. <laughs> yeah fair enough too. yeah it was a good sport uh righty so you're 12 13 you're training hard school life's rolling ahead mm. um when did someone say to you you've got potential to go to the next level not the, not the elite level yet no. or did they say to you at that Never. age from a very early age so I joined the local club, uh, Claremont PCYC, as an eight-year-old. Loved it, frothed it. Um, just had this natural, yeah, love that word. Awesome. Had this like natural swinging ability, so the uneven bars was always my favourite. Gotta be careful when you say that. <laughs> Whatever, they can take it how they want to take it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was I got invited to a trial at the Elite Institute. Um, just before I turned 10 years old. There was, there was an elite institute in Perth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I, I remember not wanting to go. I loved my club. I loved my coach. My coach said I should do it. And if I wanted to, you know, progress even more, that, that was the spot to be. But after the trial, they told my parents, because gymnastics had a stereotypical look and gymnast and aesthetics back then and they look at, looked at my dad who was quite tall and said to my parents I'd be too tall for the sport and they said she probably won't get very far she probably won't win any medals um, but she's willing to try we like her enthusiasm that, uh, that always pays dividend yeah that was my that was the motivation to keep going that yeah. was I mean I didn't care I was such an airhead child I think I didn't care what people said to me I just I just wanted to do flips, really. So when did you start to prove them wrong? Oh, it would have been a few years in when I started winning like state medals and then getting to go compete um, on a, a national scale. And it was always the uneven bars for me that stood out. And that's sort of what happens when you train all four apparatus, but you like one of them more, you try harder. 
and over the years it gets a little bit better than the rest but um i've been fighting doubt my entire career like fighting doubt yeah really just, i had to dig within my own self-belief my coach is like i was such a skinny little girl with these knobbly knees and i was tall and lanky and it doesn't it just didn't fit that stereotype um out, out of the four apparatus which is the one you hated the most vault i run like a deer like it's it's if you ever see me run which you won't because i never did well no we just did because you ran to get the uh the stickers um and it was very undeer like oh god but um it never produced a very powerful vault so for a lot of gymnasts it was their favorite because it's, really? it's over in five seconds you run Whereas down the, the thing. parallel bars yeah you're up and around and over and under and yeah it's very it's yeah very so tense. what are the other two apparatus then Beam and floor. And for a long time, I didn't like beam because I was scared to do backwards flips wow. and stuff. Wow. But You've come full circle there. Yeah, well, once you learn more about technique and body awareness, um, it actually became an apparatus I enjoyed. So, And then floor, I always loved the dancing entertainment aspect. I just have these little chicken legs that aren't very powerful, so... So you got chicken legs running like a deer. Yeah, that wow. was me. There you go. That's, Not that's, your stereotypical gymnast. That's Miss Olivia. Yeah. Uh, so you started with a few state medals. Where does it go from there? My thing within the sport, I guess, what I've looked back and noticed was I just always showed up. Like no matter how difficult the training session was the day before or how much trouble I got into for being a brat, I would always show up to the next session the next day. And very rarely missed a session. Um, and and if, so, if you did miss one, why? Just not feeling well? No, they, they encourage you to come in even if you're sick back then. it was There was no real excuse. Um, did you suffer any injuries at that point up to your... Oh, yeah. Shit. What sort of injuries did you, uh, did you have there? Early days, it was more like um, me being naughty and backflipping down hills to show off. I remember fracturing my elbow doing that. Um, didn't realise it until I was at training and I was like, oh, something's a bit sore. But one of my worst, I was 15 and on, on the uneven bars in competition and I'm a very muscle memory sort of gymnast. When you practice it over and over yep. again, you know, the pressure just comes from doing it when the green light's on. So I was in my routine and my coach ended up pulling away the dismount mat. Um, Which I is the little mat that you just start the routine on? Land on at the end. Okay, so what's that little one? Is that what's the springboard that you start on? That's the springboard. springboard. Oh, there we, yeah, go. there we go. I should be a gymnast. Nailed that one. There we go. All right, terminology. Wow. Lock that one. Lost one. But yeah. So he pulled away this mat, which I'd only done, and my dismount is like come off the bar. I do two front salts and I land. So uh, that's quite simple. Those are quite yeah, simple. Super easy. Ah, so. I understood his logic behind it because if you land on a harder surface, it's easier to stick your landing, right. which is you know desired in the sport. But I hadn't trained it without the mat, and so my muscle memory, I kicked at the same time, I flipped at the same time, but I had extra room before I landed, and yeah. I ended up landing on a straight leg, and it bent the other way. Let's just say that. Oh, so, wow. I broke my knee and then a bit of muscle tissue got stuck in between the break mm -hmm. and that was um, surgery and excellent. probably uh, the most painful injury I've done. Um, 
I gather it's not the most severe, but it's probably the most painful, you're saying? Yeah, not the most severe. I've broken my back, so okay. that we'll, probably we'll, takes we'll, get, the we'll get to the back. We'll get to the back soon. <laughs> um, okay, so you do the injury. What's it like for someone like you that is so passionate about the sport at 15 to then not be able to do anything for a period of time while everyone else is? It's That was my first real... Your parents real... saved some money. Yeah, it was my... Well, no. And you still, still show up to training. You still pay your fees. There is no money saved. In fact, it's probably spending more because now I have an operation and, and Trent, Trent's still and doing laps and playing with yeah. a wooden tennis racket. Yes, it's. <laughs> you know that little... The, the stick, you know... Remember it used to be on a spring and it had this tennis ball yeah. attached to yeah. the string? <laughs> That's what Trent was doing. Yeah, just cursing his sister. Yeah, in the backyard. But, I um, love it. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, what was the mindset like for you, though, as an athlete at that stage, to, to not be able to go and do what you loved? Look, I was still in the gym. You still They still find upper body strength. There's never a day off. But my physio gave me probably the best advice um, possible because when you do an injury like that, fear will start setting in um and she just said make your knee like do your rehab and your goal is to make this knee stronger than the other one um so that's all i focused on um i was 15 at the time the next year is my senior year so in the sport the year that you're turning 16 you're a senior wow that's the top level that's (laughs) is that when they come knocking at the door for like you know, you to be if you're good enough to go to the Olympics and that sort of stuff, or do they start looking at you before that? They definitely start looking around 12, 13, 14, because 14 years old, you can qualify for Commonwealth Games. And so, why at that stage, why hadn't you, com, com, you know, uh, qualified for the Commonwealth Games? There was just you just at that stage, you weren't good enough, or yeah. that you hadn't been seen. Yeah, we went to trials. And again, and no disrespect, was... please. I mean, totally. you're the athlete here, not me. That was for the Melbourne Commonwealth Games in 2006, I think. Yep. And yeah, I just wasn't in the top six in the country at that point. Um, is that as narrow a field as it is? Yeah. Because like, at other sports, you look at, you know, other big team sports. Is gymnastics a team sport? I know it's an individual aspect to it, but there is a team element to it as well. Look, it's they say it's a team sport, but in the elite institutes, it's six individual girls performing. Right, okay. Yeah. And again, that is a very narrow field for that for, for that sport. Is there, you know, in other other sports, there's twenty, twenty five, whatever it might yeah. be. There's a greater I think, pool. I think for Commonwealth Games, it was actually five girls. So Olympics was six, Commonwealth Games was five. So it is difficult, very so, difficult. So when were you noticed for the big time? When did when did you really when when did it escalate for you? That first year of senior, so yep. I just recovered from my knee. Um, obviously, my bars got a lot better. And at the trials, they we had world championships. I'd never competed for my country, <laughs> and my first, uh, yeah, it was a world champ trial, and I never missed a bar routine, and I got selected as a specialist. So I was one of four girls selected for that one in 2005. What was that like? Um, scary, daunting, amazing, incredible. It was the first time I'd actually seen international gymnasts. Um, it was a home it was held in Melbourne so it was a home world champs which I was to be honest I was disappointed did you want to go overseas I wanted to go overseas and while your parents are sitting there just going thank Christ you didn't go overseas there's another five grand exactly Trent's going I wish you'd go overseas I'm sick of seeing it I'm sick of hitting tennis balls Um, so it's in Melbourne 
Yeah. You, you travel down to Melbourne. Yeah, I got I it. mean, how excited are you? No, I'm, I was nervous at that point. That was, there's a lot of pressure. Like, you're 16 years old and you're competing for your country. Yeah, that's big. You know, you're, you're pretty much taking on responsibilities of an adult at 15, 16, and you're forced to grow up really quick. What yes. was mum and dad's reaction like? Very and proud. Trent, what was Trent like? I don't know. I don't know if Trent came to that one. <laughs> um, Poor kid. I feel like taking yeah. that for a beer. They didn't have, yeah, they didn't have money for a trip to Melbourne for him. Forget about it. But um, they came down with you. Yeah, they were very proud. Yeah. Yeah. It was How proud. did you go in that first? I nailed it. They even stuck you. my dismount. Is that so right? I think I finished eleventh in the world on the uneven pass. So in comparison to the other countries, how well was that received that you finishing 11th? Because there'd be other countries, and, and uh, you know, there'd be America, there's China. Um, mm, yeah. You know, I don't know too many other, you know, gymnastic countries yeah, like, that fare that well. Back in the day, it was Russia and Romania that sort of ruled the really? sport. And then, you know, around that time, America and China, just the sheer numbers of athletes and Oh, they just are powerhouses. So yeah, America absolutely dominated that world championships. So at the age of 16, yeah. were you made aware of drugs in sport? Oh yeah, we were drug tested from a young age. Just, And we wouldn't take anything unless it was ASADA approved. And you have to be so diligent about it. Um, were there ever any scares along the way? In 2000 and, goodness, when was it? In 2000, um, this was the biggest example and I feel just so incredibly sad for her. Um, a Romanian gymnast won the all-round. I mean, gold medal. Just killed it. Was just oh, so gorgeous. And she got drug tested and that day she'd taken a cold and flu tablet. Uh, she wasn't feeling well. And it was on the banned list. As simple as that. As simple as that. The gold medal was taken off. Now, I'm going to be the skeptic here. Yep. The devil's advocate in this would say, okay, so she, she knew what she was doing. Um, and maybe it wasn't a cold and flu tablet. Yeah. I mean, look, I wasn't there. I wasn't the physio that gave it to her. Um, I mean, how bad must that physio feel if it was an innocent mistake? And let's, yeah. I'm sure I mean, was. look, like, like the substance... You know, was reported. It's it's not like she took something else. It was that specific cold and flu tablet wow. um, come out on the reports, and two years later, it was put on the approved list. So they never backed backdated the. No, they no, they that's was taken off her. Well, that's, that's... At that point in time, you know, it's on the banned list, and it's done. That's that's how simple it is and scary. So that was the scare factor. Um, you don't find a lot of gymnasts using a lot of drugs or anything like that. If anything, it's more of a steroid to get back from injury. Um, you have to be really cautious of, but... Not you. No. <laughs> so, 11th in the world. What, where, where do you go from there? That was um, the first comp that I was looking at gymnasts that were just out of this world. Literally, like just unbelievable and I was so motivated were they that. heroes in your eyes did you know them well enough to say okay right I, that that gymnast to me is why I get up I didn't know them I'd never traveled for international competition um, and this was sort of 
after it was a year after the Olympics and a lot of gymnasts sort of tend to drop off. Yep. So you see a lot of fresh faces, fresh bodies, especially in a country like America when the national team changes every year. It's so competitive. So yeah, it was just incredibly inspiring. I couldn't wait to get back into the gym and and better myself. So the, ne the next goal for you, obviously the, the, the outstanding goal is for you to make the Olympics. Yep. You're now 16 years old. Yep. You've 11th in the worlds. You go back to training. Where does it, where does it, what's the next level? Where does it go from there? So in gymnastics, um, you have to qualify for the Olympic Games. So yep. the year after the Olympics is just a free for all. Let's get the specialists in, have some fun. Well, not really, it's still a lot of pressure, but there's no pressure as a country, so to speak, in terms of the Olympics. So the next year is the first qualification year. So all the countries take a team to the World Championships. Where was Australia ranked at this stage? Yeah, we were about top eight in the world. Okay. Um, yeah, back then we were um, really on an upwards trajectory. And it was, yeah, um, incredible. Um, so 2006, um, all the teams, all the countries go, and then the top 24 teams in the world qualify through to the next World Championships the following year, and then from there the top 12 qualify through to the Olympic Games. So the pressure builds up each year if you're actually going to get a team to the Games. Um, so 2006 we went, um, our team came six. Good result. Awesome, amazing. And at this point, I think I'd been national champion on the uneven bars two or three times in senior. Let's call it three. Sure, let's round up. Let's round, always round up. Always <laughs> round up. As a gymnast, surely you're hoping for a score that's always rounded up. Yeah, that's what you like. It's very subjective sport. I can imagine. Um, so six of that one? Yep, and then... I didn't realize it at the time, but I got complacent. I got complacent. I got super lazy in the sense, like a lazy fit person, but I'd show up to training. Physically I was there, but mentally I wasn't. I why, was, why do you think that was? Why do you think your complacency set in? I, at the time I didn't have anyone sort of nipping my butt for my spot, um, especially on the uneven bars. And just, I just, that teenage, Arrogance? Yeah, totally. And just gone, eh. I Like, if the coach wasn't looking, I was cheating on my strength. And um, and I got into such a routine of that that it felt normal. Um, but 2007, the year before the Olympic Games, I missed out on the World Championship team. I wasn't put on it. And I had no control in that outcome to qualify through to the Olympics and I had to sit back and watch. How hard was that? They finished um, 11th. They almost missed out um, for the Olympic Games and that was excruciating. And when, when you talk about missing out, I mean, what's, how many points between um, 12th and 13th? It was like 2007, as if I'm going to remember that. Well, these are the questions. These are the hard <laughs> These are the hard-hitting questions you're going to have to get used to. At some, at yeah, some point, like, you're going to write a book. It normally comes down to like a fall. You know, if right. someone fell, bam, we'd be out. Okay. So you finished 11th? They did. Like, well, I okay, didn't. They, I they... sat back and sulked. And yeah. 
said, why? Why has this happened to me? And what were you people know? telling you? What were your peers telling you? Or did you have a mentor at that stage that was trying to guide you through? I remember like having like coaches just telling me to quit um, and just to give up and go do other things. Um, I remember a lot of that. And then it was actually a psychologist I saw and we broke it down that I was actually, um, I was afraid to fail when it had been like I'd been in it 10 years and it's such an intense goal that takes a lot of sacrifice, not just from me, but from my family. And what if I didn't make the team? Yeah, I get it. Like it's scary. And we sort of figured out that I was almost half-assing it on purpose to give myself an excuse in case I didn't make it. Oh, okay. So, so you you had this passion and a drive. Yeah. You get a bit complacent. Yeah. Uh, your excuse then of for not doing well yeah. is that well, I wasn't you know, giving it my just best. Wasn't giving it your best. I wasn't giving it a hundred percent. Which is, a, a, and I'm sure now when you look back and you would say to any young gymnast coming through that one of the things you can't do is be complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, they finish 11th, they, they make the cut. Yep. Then I, you know, start breaking down what's going through my head and why I'm not committing and sorting that out. And, you know, you're in an elite institute and they sort of turned around and said, look, you're either 100% in or you're 100% out. Like There's no gonna, mucking around. They're not going to take someone who's half in it. So I had to sort of make this decision and it's so easy like it's so easy to say i'm gonna go to bed on time i'm gonna give up my relationship with kfc i'm gonna give it a hundred percent in training like it's so easy to say but it's so hard to do and commit to so so just on the kfc thing what was what was is was that your weakness man yeah it was KFC and I were best buddies back then. <laughs> um, so that was your weakness. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, and you know, always chocolate, whenever I could. But it's more the not sleeping and yeah. you know showing up to training, but not actually showing up um, and just half-assing it. So yeah, it's, it was a very, it was really difficult to change that routine because I'd been in it just over a year and it feels normal and. It came down to just sort of trying to make small changes and do them consistently rather than change the entire routine straight away. Yeah. Um, when did you decide, okay, I'm not going to say no, I'm going to say yes? Yeah. It was yeah, about November, December 2007. That's when I was given the ultimatum. That's when I, you know. What was mum and dad saying at this stage? Um, Were they, you know, look, if you Dad was sort quit, of like, if you're not doing, like, if you don't want to do it, get out. You know, he's sort of that. Um, if you're not loving it, then just stop. Um, he was that sort of personality, whereas mum can see the bigger picture. Yeah. In the sense that I had worked so hard and for so long, and would I regret it if I le- left? So I remember she tried to get a motivational speaker over to the house uh, one night, and I wasn't having a bar of it. Um, Who was it? Was it anybody? I don't, I don't remember. Really doesn't really matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Just Didn't this, work. This guy, and I just sat there going, the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> you don't train 34 hours a week. You don't know me. <laughs> but you know. I love it. Yeah. But so. you decided to say, you said yes. Mum said, okay, let's give it a go. Dad said, give it a go. Trent's still hitting tennis balls in the backyard. Yeah. Um, 
what's the next six months like for you? Uh, um, yeah, it was difficult to change, but the trials were, you know, like April, May next year. And it just became the focus, the pure focus. And that became the goal. I dropped the boyfriend at the time. Oh, sorry, sorry, yep, sorry, I, um, What happened to school? It sounds weird, but when you train 34 hours a week in this insanely demanding sport, school's the easy part. Yeah. Like, I did my full exams and, you know. That might have been a nice distraction from all the stuff you were doing. Yeah, it was, everyone's complaining about exams, and I'm like, why are you complaining? This shit's easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> come, come spend a day in my life. But, um, so... <laughs> Yeah, school was fine. Um, passed all my exams all till that. Um, the, what you don't have at school is the you're not doing the balls and the camps and these outside activities. Cause yeah. Gymnastics was always came first. Um, that's sort of what you sacrifice in the schooling. But I remember I did. I committed 100. It was hard. Super hard. But we got to trials and it was national championships and then they take, you know, the top 24 from there to a second trial. Then they take the top 12 um, of us to the third and final trial, which was held at the AIS in Canberra. Yep. We start with a week of training camp. Um, it's all closed off. No family, no friends, no spectators. Um, very seclusive. And then you have two days of competition, which was Saturday and Sunday morning, and then they announced the team uh, Sunday night. Do they did they do it like a you know six down or you know twelve to six so that yeah. sorry you six haven't made it you were seventh. Um, seventh might be the reserve. Okay, the eighth person who's an absolute given for not being in the team. Eight to twelve, pack their bags off they go. Yeah, you're, obviously you're not, you're you're in the top seven. Well, no, at this, when they announce the when they announce it, you, you're you're in the top seven. Yeah, it's it was a, like I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that camp. It was torturous in the sense of pressure and expectation, and also I had this harsh reality that I'm there's no spots guaranteed anymore. Yeah, and I'd missed out the the year before and. The whole training week, you're supposed to be focusing on what you're doing, but you're trying to get this gauge on where everyone else is at, and you're trying to put together the team because it's six on the team. Yeah, you're putting together these different teams in your head, but no matter what team you put together, you're always on it. Are you hoping in that twelve? And this is really bad to say. And I used to do it when I played sport as well. When you when you're being picked for the level that you're good at, yeah. In that top twelve, were you hoping that someone hurts himself? Not, not in that way, not to hurt themselves where they get, they can't do the sport again. But in this instance, are you hoping that number 12 or 11 are just knocked out of the numbers? Someone has a fall, that doesn't look good? Yeah, I get it. Um, no, I, I, I don't remember having any thoughts like that. Um, I'm sure it's normal, I'm sure it's absolutely that case, but um, I was the one that ended up hurting myself. Um, first day of the trials. Uh, I landed short on a tumbling pass and I ended up breaking my navicular bone in my foot. Did you know it at the time? No. 
Did you say? I mean, so you didn't know it? Didn't say anything? Oh, I said something else. Because especially the next day of competition, I said, "Do I have to do floor today?" And the coach turned around and said, "Do you want to make the team or not?" Um, So you went through it with pain. Went through it, pushed through the pain, but Sunday finish the competition then we go back to our rooms and I swear it was like six to eight hours between then and the announcement and it felt like six to eight years it was sickening um then they took all 12 of us into an auditorium the CEO of Gymnastics Australia is up on the stage announcing the team one person at a time parents and friends and family there now no no they're not allowed to watch still still shut out yep just coaches judges officials that's it quite a big place to have that announcement an auditorium with all those people in yeah all those few people it was awful i don't think they'd ever announce a team like that ever again um i just remember sitting there the first girl got called up the second the third the fourth i'm still in my seat fifth girl gets called up and I'm just like, I feel sick at this point. And I've just gone, like, 11 years. I'm not like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? This has been my only goal, my only focus. And then the sixth name got called out and it was my name. And it went from the sickest feeling to the sickest feeling. It was, <laughs> I like, it was unreal. Are you allowed to celebrate when they call your name out? Or is it no, reserved? No, you, like... Because there's still Imagine five or so that aren't going to make it. Imagine sitting in that yeah. seat. Like, that, it's, you just don't do it. But um, I realised later they uh, they announced it alphabetical by your last name. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. So who was after you? <laughs> no one. I'm a V. But, but, but the, I'm the, the res- last No, but the reserve, I, the reserve was not going to be alphabetical. The no, reserve is going to be the first of... The... They, they didn't announce the reserve just then. Right. Uh, it was all about the six. And... <sighs> so Vivian is last in the Vivian alphabetical shake-up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how long until the Olympics now? Six weeks. So we had six weeks together. I had a scan the next day on my foot. I was broken, but I was selected as a bar specialist. The team needed my bar routine. So I had that, but um, then one of the reserves uh, put in a petition against my spot on the team. And you can understand why? Uh, I can. She's, I, she's yeah. fit. She's not no broken bones. Yeah, totally. But... You don't need your foot for bars. If I was selected, <laughs> Just landing. if I was selected to do all the events, maybe sure, go for it. But what was the relationship like with a girl that did that? Did you? I the... didn't know who it was. Okay. I wasn't told. All I was that's told, a good thing, I think. All I was told was there's a petition against your spot, um, and you need to now make every single routine in training. You need to prove why you're here. Which I thought I was done with the pressure. Like the trial was excruciating. Yeah, and then also the announcement that six, you know, yeah. six or eight hours in between. And these camps were training three times a day. Um, and I was terrified to make a mistake. It was awful. Um, but the reserve ended up um, breaking her ankle. Um, petition was off. <gasps> So, I mean, gymnastics, it happens. You have to have reserves because yeah. it's not often a team that's selected is the team that goes. So Does um, the reserve get a medal? I do remember a world championship team where, yes, the reserve got a medal, but it might have been the coach giving the medal to the reserve. Right, okay. All right. Um, so, so the Olympics, where are they in 2008? Beijing. Beijing. Yeah. I did know that, but I was just, you know... Testing me. Just, well, I was just oh, testing. Yeah. You know, hopefully people out there might you know, like the question. I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
So Beijing, what's it like going to uh, Beijing for the games? We were ready. Like four weeks into our camp, we were like ready to go. Our goal was a bronze as a team. Um, no Australian has ever got an Olympic medal in gymnastics. So we had that and we had one of my training teammates and best friend at the time. Her name was Dar- Daria Jura, our national champion. Just she's incredible. She could have maybe gone for an individual medal as well. So we get over there. We go to Beijing early, yeah. um, get used to the environment because you're now in this village full of athletes from all over the world and people we'd only ever seen on TV and we're in the apartment next to Leighton Hewitt and all of us were freshies. So I was 19, the oldest girl on the team. Yeah. The grandma, um, as oh. they'd call me at 19. Um, and yeah, you have to get it all out of your system because you go there and it's just so outside your world. You're equipped with like two, three suitcases full of gear and You've now entered a dining hall with food from all over the world, even a McDonald's in there. KFC? No KFC. Ah, oh, horrifying. I don't know. But horrifying. tubs of Snickers bars at the door. Can't um, complain. I mean, it's open 24 hours a day. It's all free. Uh, How so. many athletes go into that place fit but come out fat? You see it more with um, athletes that aren't so, like from a, a country as fortunate as we are. Okay, got it, yeah. Um, you definitely see it happen. And I mean, even I like started giving in and having food from everywhere. I just love trying new things and had to then pull it back. Uh, luckily, luckily we got there early, so <laughs> you know I could pull it back and get back into my swinging form. But um, no, my no, I did. Yeah, yeah you know, I get now it. Now I say it. Sorry, exactly. Yeah. Now, now you'll hear it. every time you say it. You'll hear it. Yeah. Uh, game day. Yeah. What what we, happens? Oh, well, two days before comp, um, Dasha actually landed short on floor and ruptured some ligaments in her ankle. And that was really difficult to watch and, and see and see that fall apart in front of us. But we go in, she puts on a brave fo- face and some working anesthetic and numbing stuff in her foot. Just so, it's just morally wrong. Um, Uh, She has it done. But it's done. Um, We go in and we're competing in the same um, session as China. And I remember just our crowd was a sea of red. Just like... Home team. The craziest, outrageous, loudest. Oh my God. You just And they're clapping. They've got these blow-up sticks in their hand that they're clapping together for four to five hours. You can't hear a damn thing in there. I remember like we're marching out all proud, head held high in our form, in our gymnastics march and I remember just looking out and then seeing these two figures in the crowd, so my dad and my brother in fluoro yellow and green <laughs> with like these buffy hair and tall Australian headsets like screaming at the top of their lungs. It was so magical. Does it um, still give you goosebumps? It, yeah, I'll, I'll just... Certain moments you just don't forget. Like, yeah. you just don't forget. A lot of it's a blur, and I don't have the best memory. I'm like a fish brain. So, it's only these standout moments, and we're so, tr- we're so trained to just stay in our bubble, focus on what we're doing, don't let distractions in, but 
marching over to the bars like I just couldn't help myself I had to give them a wave like I got in trouble for the wave but I had to do it yeah so you talk about your family I went to the um the world cup the soccer where Australia played Japan in Kaiserslautern in Germany and two of them are mates from here in Sydney at the time same thing they were wearing bright outfits with those rainbow yeah um, hair pieces and out of a sea of blue because yeah. the Japanese are on that side and the Australians on this side all I could see was two heads and literally texted him is that you and then they're yeah. waving across the way it was awesome it's magic I totally understand what you're talking about yeah um, how did you go oh I remember you know pressure's on green light goes on I present to the judge I run and my first move um, is I use a springboard Yes. And I jump over the low bar and I catch the high bar. And I remember I go, I jump over the low bar. And as I'm reaching up to catch the high bar, there's a massive jumbotron on the opposite end of the arena. And I see myself on oh the jumbotron. And for a split second, I was like, hey, cool. How good is that? Cool, I'm on TV. <laughs> In the, I've trained this routine a hundred times or more, way more, actually thousands of times. And this split second, I got distracted and I'm like, cool, I'm on TV. And then I was like, wait, I'm on TV. Don't mess it up. Bang on. Yeah. So back to focus and stuck my landing and presented. And in that moment, it just felt like to all the people that said I couldn't do it, I wouldn't do it. I'd be too tall. This is not my sport. It just felt like I was giving them all a good flip off, like in that moment. It was, that is awesome. I love that. It was, yeah, it was. So where did where did where did Australia finish? We How did, did the team we go. Did, we did make team finals, uh, which is top eight. So we came back for a second competition. Dasha only did bars. Her foot was. Um, she pushed through all four events on qualification day and. I don't know how she did it. I don't know where that strength came from, but she wasn't going to do it again. Her, her foot was absolutely wrecked after that. It was she ruptured all the rest of her ligaments, and so she did bars for the team finals. But team finals, the pressure's on. So yeah. in qualifications, I think you send up um, five girls on each apparatus, and four scores count towards qualification. So you can drop a score if yep. needed, but in the team finals, three go up, three scores count. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, we started on floor. Um, I remember um, one of our girls, Lauren, I think, fell. And once you've got a fall, like once there's a fall... You're so far behind the eight ball. Yeah, so like you're out of medals. So you're out of the medal contention. What does that do to you, what does that do to you when you haven't done your routine yet, knowing that you're... Unless every other team has someone that falls, you're not going to get a medal. Yeah, it's you watch. You know, it's it's weird because you watch, and part of you is disheartened in a way, and especially if it's out of your control. Yeah, and it's someone else. But at the same time, we're all doing the same sport. We understand how hard it is, how difficult it is. So that you you can't. There's no real blame. Uh, in, in a sense because it could have been anyone Like there's an acceptance that it happens yeah shit happens we, we just had it on the day look it's unfortunate it's sad it's part of the sport um, you move on you just you move on and you get to it and um, I believe we finished at the end we came six okay which was the highest score even today 
even the even to today it's the highest place Australia's got as a team. Well, look you know, at you. It wasn't that bronze we were chasing, um, but without Dasha, I don't think we would have got there anyway. So. Um, yeah, we walked out of there super proud. Well, congratulations, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, oh, it was an experience you just don't forget. And you, you look back and you go, 11 years of sacrifice, hard work. It's all worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. What happened after that Olympics? I'd signed a full ride scholarship to college in America. Yep. To Oregon State. And to be honest with you, I didn't want to go. Um, I'd already signed it, but. That, that last campaign, like that Olympic campaign, like especially in that last year, it was so, it was so torturous. I was physically broken. Yeah. I was mentally broken. And I was ready to be done with the sport. I'd fallen out of love with it, like especially in the last few years. I stopped training because I loved it. I was training for the goal. Right. Um, and, yeah, I ended up going over anyway because sign this thing and you know I'm not I follow through but in my head I was like all right I've got a free education I'll do a bit of gymnastics mum and dad are cheering that right now <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden we've gone to a metal racket yeah. and, and Trent's like fuck yeah she's yeah. gone yeah all right what sport will I take up now <laughs> oh. I love it um you mentioned it you mentioned the US and Olympics and for me that comes to mind right now is all that controversy that's come around with that trainer the, the Netflix yep. um, athlete day. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. What does that do to you when you hear that sort of stuff in the sport? Because he, he did that for many, many years. Yeah. And he would never get out of jail, as he, rightly he shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and those poor girls that were involved in that sort of stuff at the time. Yep. How do they mentally recover from that? Look, I you know, I can't speak on behalf of them because I don't know and we didn't have a trainer that took advantage of the fear culture um, and so you know I, ca I can't imagine what their recovery process is mentally with that but I can speak on behalf of my experience and I can easily say that fear culture was here as well. Oh really? I grew up in that, absolutely. I, I didn't want to ask that question because... Oh I'm an open book, you can ask whatever you want. No I know that, I, I really do appreciate that a little bit but it's just, it's even, I mean I can mention it because it's American, it's all the way over there. Yeah. I'd hate to think it happens here. Look, I mean, we didn't have the the extreme of, you know, our, you know, medic taking advantage of us like that, but our voices were definitely silenced. We, like, I wasn't, I wasn't ever fat shamed or anything like that because I was always on the opposite end of too skinny and needed to put on weight, but I was threatened. I was, you know... Like mentally abused in a sense, for sure. But the saddest part is, it happened to everyone in the gym, and in a way, it became normalised. Yeah, was, and it's yeah. disgusting when you like you look back now, and you know this years of education of what it should be. Um, but it was normalised, and so I only have a few instances where things pop out to me. But yeah, the the culture was. Uh, exactly the same as America. Um, Just not as amplified. No, I mean, our, it's it's an education system throughout the sport that originated um, when Nadi Kamenichi, at 14 years old, won the gold medal, like at the Olympic Games, and it transitioned from being a woman's sport to a girl's sport. Yeah. And um, 
and that education system just started going this is how you win gold medals and it's through this fear culture and mental and physical abuse in a sense and young girls are easier to manipulate in that sense who's the greatest gymnast in the world at the moment do you think awesome oh, Biles. how good are some of those moves she's like it's you next, won't see, you won't see another gymnast like her for many 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 years like she is something out of the ordinary do you watch her and just go fuck that yes. is just out of control you go how how like she, she does is, that thing where she does a splits and lands and bounces back up oh that's nothing i, that's I know it's not <laughs> that's how, i mean that's how i get it's out of bed double, most mornings triple salts in a layout position punched into other double moves like it's yeah, just but okay the, the, again these are these are they're, they're moves that i'm very familiar with <laughs> um but it's it's next level yeah it is it's, it's next level. when you were doing your gymnastics mm. what was the most extreme move at the time that now pales in insignificance look it's when I was, back when I was yeah, a young when you were a wee, a wee young lass. Um, I was, you know, came up through the 10 system, which, you know, the highest score you could get was 10. And it came down to originality and quality. Like, you needed to stick your landings. But then it's transitioned into this new scoring system where you have a deduction score that starts at 10, but then you have a difficulty score which starts at zero and you can manipulate you can boost it so right, got it. i've transitioned from being all about perfection and you know that getting that 10-0 to all right now we're throwing in as many difficult crazy skills to get a higher score to some pretty funky music yeah so i was in that transition period so my first world championships was out of a 10 and then the next year they changed to Let's try and get world record scores, um, Just, which you see now, like, the effect of that is gymnasts are doing the craziest moves. Craziest moves. Speaking of 10 or yeah. whatever it might be, that's how long we've got left until yep. you get to this next, next gig here in North Sydney. But we're going to drive around a little bit more. What happened after the Olympics? What did you do from there? Uh, college, as much as I didn't want to do it, changed me. Loved it? Changed it. my life. The the collegiate system was all about support, encouragement, celebration. It was about you as a person, not just as an athlete. And I went from hating the sport to it being, I felt like that little eight-year-old girl again. Nice. Like it was just, it became my, the favorite part of my day. And you know, the Americans support their sport like no other country. Yeah, they love Like the sport. collegiate sport. I love the gridiron, the basketball, whatever it is. Even though I'm yeah. not, I, I, I could never play them, have never played them, mm. the, the support they have is just, it's, it's unreal. It gives you chills as a, non, as a non, yeah. non-playing sports person of that sport. Yeah. It gives me chills watching it. Yeah. It's incredible. It's amazing. How long Honestly, were you there for? I was there for four years and it was hands down the best decision I ever made. Oh, oh it's just... I can't I can, explain I can it. Was, see it still gives you. Uh... Yeah, but it, I also learnt a lot more about the sport. Like, and I also I learnt that you don't need a fear culture. You don't need constant criticism. You know, you do need corrections, but it can be presented in a way of a compliment sandwich. Like, you've got to give the compliments as well, which is what we were missing in the Australian culture. It was all about what you're doing wrong. It was all criticism. It was never compliments and never a support you know if you're going through puberty it was frowned upon because they focus on the the number on the scale yeah. and not the support of the athlete um 
yeah, it was, was life-changing, but awesome. I fell in love with the sport again. I wasn't ready to be done. I was armoured with this self-belief again and this passion. I actually came back to Australia and I asked to compete at the national championships. And they said, no, you're too old. How old were you now? I was 23. Okay. Um, and I get it. Like, girls normally compete at the Olympics at 16, 17, and then they quit because there's no financial support either. And, you know, once you sort of start going to university or you have rent or bills, like, you just can't train 34 hours a week, represent your country, and then try and work at the same time. You just can't, it's just, there's no support there. Um, so what happened to the nationals? Well, I'm persistent and I was... Yeah, I get the feeling. I wouldn't take no for an answer and two weeks later I ended up getting my seventh title on the uneven bars. Of course you did. Of course I did. Of course you did. There was, ne there was never a better ending to that story right there. Yeah. Um, what happened after that? You're 23. Yeah, I did two more years down under. Yep. I uh, did a, another World Champs and a Com Games, but... It just took two years back in the culture to just strip my love away again. And I ended up just hating exercise after that. Like, I fizzled out. Just Okay, so... You couldn't even bribe me to go to a yoga class. And I really? love bribes. Like, it was... KFC and Snickers. I'm telling you, we've got, <laughs> we've got you there. We've absolutely, if I'd known that, I would have run past the local KFC oh, and, and no. sorted you out. I've not been in a KFC in 10 years, I don't think. No, I, I think as you get older, you sort of, your metabolism changes. <laughs> yeah, and that's you, for sure. You understand the feeling after you eat it. <laughs> so like, how oh. did you get into Ninja Warrior? Yeah. Because, um, that, I mean, I've, I've seen you. Yep. Um, again, I didn't know who you were per se by name. I just knew of this rather outgoing athlete. Yeah, I, bright uh, red hair. <laughs> bright red hair. Yeah, and so, just yeah. Years after I left gymnastics, I remember I was working. I got this phone call. What were you doing hey, for work then? So, what was your job? I was um, running a cafe, which was great fun. I love people, and I love the challenge of turning someone's day around. And I was loving it. And I got this call, and I wasn't working out. I wasn't doing anything physical. You stacked it on by now. Um, Oh, not too bad. The stress of a cafe will do that. Yeah, but, um, fair enough. So I got this phone call and this lovely lady and she said, we're filming a TV show in Sydney. Um, we'd like you to do it. You, you'll do some obstacles, um, but we'll fly you over. We'll put you up in a accommodation. And the only thing I thought was, cool, free trip to Sydney. Unbelievable. Awesome. Uh, and, you Western Australian lot, really. And I just like, in my head, I was like, it's probably like Wipeout. That's what I thought. Thought. Oh yeah, yes, oh yes, yeah, I remember that show. And because it was the first season, no one had ever seen it down here in Australia. And I flew over to Sydney, and you do a full day of media and interviews, and it was on Cockatoo Island, I was getting burnt, and then they show you the course about an hour before you start. So around 7.30pm, we went and did this walkthrough. You don't get to try it, don't get to test it, but they show you the rules for each obstacle and I just remember like going wow like this is a super sized playground just right up your alley I was like I right wish up I, your alley. I wish I'd trained that's <laughs> what I was thinking and then this warped wall at the end I was like what in God's name is that and how do people get up that what is that oh uh, yeah just and then we're put in a back room we don't get to watch each other so it 
you know, it keeps it fair whether you're the first run or oh, the fifth. So you can see where they might fall, where the best way to land. Yeah, sort you of see. Like, once you okay. see people like doing the obstacle, you get an idea of how it's done or how yep. it should be done, and that's an advantage. We call it beta. It's called. And uh, so we're in this back room. I think I didn't go out till like 1.30 in the morning, um, but it was just like adrenaline somehow like i watch my run back now and i'm like how did you even get to the wall you look so uncoordinated <laughs> what's well, the chicken legs and the deer run i know it was just like yeah it was my awareness was not there but somehow i got to the wall never done a thing in my life i i ran into it three times like a puppy trying to get up on the couch and i failed it and I didn't make it through to semi-finals, so I was flown home to Perth and I just had this feeling that was like, I wanted to be in semi-finals. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was so crushed, I was so disappointed, but at the same time I was like, I want to learn how to do this, like, I want to do this. And I went back to Perth and looked up um, some gyms and there was a ninja academy in Perth, in Osborne Park. Who has a ninja academy? Like In Perth. Yeah, and so it was owned by um, Dave Ravi, who's a big fan of Sasuke, which is the original ninja warrior. It started in Japan. And okay. he created this amazing gym. It's still one of the best in Australia. And I started learning this warp wall. Like go in, you know, started off with once a week, then twice a week, then three times. And it took me almost six months to get to the top of the wall, like these little chicken legs. So. Now, has, has boyfriend fallen on the scene at this point? Not yet. Right um, uh, He was in the gym, but I was loving it so much. Didn't notice him. I, di I didn't want to shit where I eat. Oh, I noticed him. He looked like a god. So, okay, so you come back to Sydney for the next one? Yep, the next year. Well, Ben and I got together just before the second season, which yep. they loved, the storyline. Because it is a TV show. Yeah, you that's, gotta, that's a romance on the ropes. Yeah. you got to, like, that's where my mind went as well. Like, this is really cool. It's really, it tests your athletic ability. But you don't get to try these obstacles. There's no real warm-up area. You don't know your run order. It's lights, camera, action. Like, it's TV. And so that's when I started to think, what can I do different? You know, if everyone's doing the warped wall, how do I stand out? How do I be different? And so... I remember there, gone back, invited back season two. Um, I remember standing there before my run. I was more nervous than I was at the Olympic Games. No way. Yeah. Because I, I knew I could do the what wall. Like, I knew I could do it. Because you've nailed that in training. There's five other obstacles that I'd never touched before then. Whereas in the Olympics, I'd done my routine thousands of times. I knew what I was doing. And it's the same every single time. Yeah, exactly. But this, like, I don't know how this feels. I don't know how this moves. Like, the balance obstacles are scary as hell. Each time, I feel like there's a little bit of luck involved there. But Ben just came up and he just said, look, stop, shake it off. Like, be you, be silly, be goofy, um, and just do your thing. And I did. I relaxed a bit and got to the what wall. And this obstacle before the wall, wall, so many ninjas had fallen and there was water everywhere. And I just remember going for this wall, wall the first run, and my shoes were so wet. They were so slippery from stepping through yeah. all these puddles that people had left. Um, so I went back, dried my shoes, got up the wall, grabbed the top, and turned around and did a backflip up it. 
and just the hosts lost their mind. As they should. Yeah. So, so and that just it just started my ninja career. It just kicked off from there. And where where are we now with ninja? We're four four seasons down. You and um, Ben going strong. Yeah, Ben He's won it. He's in it as well. Yeah, yeah he won he did. the show. Uh, first ever Australian Ninja Warrior, uh, which is, you know, I don't think the public will ever truly understand what that means, but it's a massive achievement. Like that fourth stage, he was climbing that 20-metre rope in under 30 seconds at 5.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. Because uh, we don't see that. We, 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 no. it's, it's for us at 7.30 at night. You just see this TV show, yeah, you know? Yeah, so. it's produced into brilliance, and he's nailed it at 5.30 in the morning. That yeah. is outstanding. I know. I was, and, uh, just, I was so proud. I was so... I lost my shit watching him. Oh, but, that is awesome. That um, is awesome. You know, I'd also ticked off, you know, new heights for women in the sport because we compete against the men. It's it's all the same. It's There's no changing obstacles if you're shorter or... Less powerful that's the beauty, that's like the beauty that. of the Australian Ninja though, isn't it? I is love that, it. The or, the, or the Ninja sport now, is it? But it's it's given me a sense of purpose, you know, like I've, I've been able to tap into that self-belief again and, you know, I'm doing something I love and I'm, you know, my mission is to inspire young girls. Like, that, so that's, that's going to be one of my last couple of questions. We've just arrived where we need to be and we can probably sneak maybe another couple of minutes out of you. But, um, what do you tell young kids when they come up to you now and say, you know, you're my hero? That must be quite humbling to hear that. Yeah, it is. But what do you say to those young, those young boys and girls? Because uh, can I tell you, in the preamble, I had a kid in the car, 16-year-old kid who I was taking two days ago to Heffron Park where he was a runner. Mm-hmm. And he was into the sport, but he's 16 and he's sort of in and out of it. He's not, whatever. And I said, look, I've actually got to give you a call just to sort out this. And he, I said, mate, if you be quiet, I'll give you a shout. <laughs> he was in the back seat as an Uber passenger while oh. I'm trying to call you. He lost his shit. He oh. was so, so happy with it. Yeah. Um, he just said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. And I was so chuffed for him, even though we didn't, I mean, we, he heard your voice because I left your message. Okay. But he was so happy. I mean, what do you say to those young kids? Look, first and foremost, you know, I have to just pull off my own experience and what I had to draw on, and it comes down to, firstly, self-belief. Like, you have to believe 100% you can do it. And then all these actions that start, you know, manifesting around you is centered around that belief that you are going to get there. You are going to make this happen. So, firstly, you got to believe in yourself. Even when people tell you you can't, you won't, and you shouldn't. Um, and then work hard. Like, it's. I think it's a message that has been missing for a little while like we tell kids that they can have anything they want dream big go for your goals you know but this solid foundation of no it actually takes a lot of hard work and dedication yeah is sort of missed so you got to believe that you can do it and then you have to put in the action because you know words are one thing but action speak louder yeah what does the future hold for for olivia oh I would really love to dive a little bit more into the mental fitness realm. Um, I've started working with Black Dog Institute doing some awesome. presentations. Just, I think once I really did watch Athlete A and a lot of own personal you know, feelings sort of were brought back up and um, I think, yeah, mental fitness and gratitude is so crucial. 
these days and I'd love to get, push that more, especially to high school um, when these kids are already going through a, a hard time. I had Fitzy in the car a fortnight ago from, from Nova, ex-AFL, big brother and the like. Awesome chat, great mm. bloke. And he spoke a lot, of, like you do, about there's, a, there's an organisation called Raise, which is the mentoring one. Um, and it's, it's people like you and him that make all the change in young kids. Yeah. Just through just either conversation or, you know, Instagram, whatever it might be, black dog, rays, and it just hopefully changed their mindset to think they can. The whole mental health space is just brutal at the moment. Yeah. And never more apparent than where it is now. But um, I love the fact that you're involved in black dog and what have you. But where, where do you see yourself in five or ten years? I still haven't won the show, so I'll still, you know do this ninja space for as long as I can hopefully I'd like to host the show one day and stay involved and maybe we can get a kids version running that would be so cool um actually that would be pretty awesome wouldn't it yeah it'd be pretty great but um I'm open I think the future is you just never know I mean I got a phone call to do a show in Sydney and it changed my life four years later exactly you found love as well yeah found Ben and um, you just don't know what the future is going to hold. I wouldn't turn down an opportunity. You know, you've got to say yes to explore new things. I mean, I'm filming Celebrity Apprentice here in Sydney, and it's the second I saw that opportunity and I got offered this spot, and I was like, no, that's so outside my comfort zone. The second I said that out loud, it's outside my comfort zone. I knew I had to do it because. That's the only space that we learn and we grow is stepping outside that zone. So you just don't know. I don't know what five years we'll, we'll have, but I'm excited. Um, I just want to say thanks to for you for sharing your time. It was yeah, awesome. My pleasure. Um, I feel like I could have driven you around for another hour and we could have kept going, but mm. you've got other stuff to do. Um, I, I just honestly, I can't say thank you enough. Oh. It really has been awesome. Quick question. Why did you say yes to doing this? Why not? I think an important part is sharing stories. I love it. Um, you know, that's how we learn new things or get a different perspective sometimes. And, you know, that's why I love speaking to schools or, you know, doing sort of Olympic camps out in rural areas because you just don't know what is going to plant a seed in someone's that's mind it. and how it's going to change their life. And, you know, it's all, yeah, it's, two, I think it's all important. Two final questions. Yeah. Where will you finish this year in the Ninja? Oh, season five. Oh, God. You gotta back... <laughs> it's, you it's got to back so... yourself in here. It's, it's hard because okay. you Let... just... It's... My second question, let's do this yeah. both at the same time then. My second question is where will Ben finish? Yeah. Oh, well, definitely behind me for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're, we're competitive in that sense. Because he was supposed to be in the car today, wasn't he? But we just couldn't because of the uh, the COVID and the getting yeah. from here to there. And... Couldn't come down to Sydney. But um, look, it's it's one of those sports that one centimetre can mean you're in or out. Um all the time though, like no matter what, I just go in there with my best intentions. All I can do is control my actions and my thoughts and I'm just going to give it my best. That's what I do. Like, that's, all that's, all, that's all anyone can do is just give it their best shot. So the, the focus comes in now though. The training is... When does it start? We film um, Feb, March. Are you here for the whole time? In Sydney? Yep. No, I should be back up in Brisbane yeah, nice. maybe next week. Okay. Um, I'll get out and say thank you. But um, thank you so much for that. It was awesome. Thanks I really, really love it. Me. My pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure.
Well, that was Olivia. And she was awesome. Man, that girl has got some spirit about her. Just, gosh, she's infectious, isn't she? She's just, just that smile and that attitude and absolutely, we managed to sneak out an extra five or seven minutes out of which is just brilliant. But that's, uh, that was Olivia Vivian. Um, just so grateful that these people take the time out of their day to um, just spend it in my car and just tell their stories. And she was she was awesome. Absolutely, absolutely love her. So, rightio. Well, let's uh, let's finish it there. To everybody that uh, listens to the podcast, again, I can can't say it enough. But I'm so grateful. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And for those that have donated via the Patreon link on the webpage, you know, very grateful. This is getting a bit bigger and bigger as we go, and we do need to cover a few costs, and we are doing that. So um, it always helps. A little bit of extra just goes in the right direction. So we do greatly appreciate that. Again, I look forward to the next celebrity podcast and who's going to get in the car, but uh, it's just hard to top the last, isn't it? We'll see how we go.